Welcome to the Teacup Podcast. I'm Tanya, and every Friday I'm catching up with a friend to have a chat about something they've read, watched, or listened to lately, right down to the tea. On today's episode, I'm talking to my friend Mika about the show Shit's Creek as television's newest and latest underdog. Hi, Mika. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you for being here. It's so exciting. This has been a highlight that I've been waiting for to happen. <laughs> um, so, Mika, Miranda, and I are today going to talk about the show Shit's Creek, which has been um, my latest discovery during quarantine, and a lot of other people that I know. Um, it's a show that we've kind of really enjoyed talking about, and we've sent links back and forth to behind the scenes um, videos and the extra documentary that had come out. Um, so, yeah, I'm super. I haven't met anyone as excited about Shit's Creek as you so I'm super excited to have this chat with you I feel like that's a lot of people's reactions when I have a show or a tv or a or a musical or something or something pop culture that I'm obsessed with and they're like yeah there's no one who's obsessed about this particular thing as much as you are yeah and I'm like no like I want you to get onto my level yeah uh, <laughs> no it's because you do your homework you know like after we watched the show we found the spotify playlist for it we found the background track oh God, we found the about video. that we did. We yeah. did. Big success. Yeah. I'm also like wearing my most like Alexis Rose ensemble because, um, you know, when I wear this, like the Alexisms just like come back Popping. in. Yeah. Electrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want to describe the outfit you're wearing for anybody, maybe the one listener we have listening to the podcast, <laughs> but it's a blue off the shoulder. Very Alexis Rose. I can attest to that. Um, so... I don't know, let's jump in. What has happened to the show? I feel like this has been TV's newest underdog. You know, they've been around for six years and this is the year I felt like they're finally getting recognition, whether in the name of advertising or, um, you know, whether Netflix posts name about, names about them, their Emmy wins. Um, for five years, they just went ignored and now all of a sudden they've come into the spotlight. So what do you think that's about? I think it definitely had to do with the giant billboard that uh, Dan Levy got of him and of David and Patrick kissing. Yeah. And that was such a momentous occasion. Yeah. But um, let's go back. So um, this, for those who don't know, uh, we're also going to be talking about a lot of spoilers. So heads up, if you haven't seen the show, just be aware there's a lot of happy endings and, uh, and also questionable decisions that we will be talking about um so just keep that in mind um so I think one thing that like why it went under the radar was because it's a Canadian show it's not an American show that was sponsored by it was like backed up by this huge Hollywood um picture company like it was it was a small Canadian uh streaming service I think um and they they worked on a very tiny budget yeah like a few months on set in Canada yeah. and which is a real place because my cousin was dropped off there one night <laughs> and uh, that's another story we don't have to get into but um, they worked there for a few months and they worked on set like as in on on the stage uh, yeah. on a uh, for the inside um, for the inside scenes um, definitely not a film person for saying inside scenes <laughs> um, <laughs> But this is not um, an academic uh, analysis <laughs> of the show, don't worry. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, so for that reason, they were really scrappy, but they made the most of what they could. And for yeah. them, that kind of encourages you to then have an extreme focus on the content of the show versus how are you getting viewers to watch? And one thing that Dan Levy, who's the showrunner, creator, and also the guy who plays David uh, Rose, and now Emmy-winning actor, um, uh, what he said was that for the first few, like after a while, you know, Pop TV, I think, uh, I think that's the that's the channel they was they were uh, that worked with them, said, you know what, just make what you want. And we will still stream it or produce it whether you want, whether we get viewers or not. So as a result, like, because that production and business angle was taken away, they were yeah. like, okay, cool. You can just it's be creative. freedom with it. Yeah. Yes. Which is exactly what like a lot of artists, unfortunately, are held by. And that's why like, we yeah. don't get great television because, you know, it's something that has scope in the first season kind of drifts away afterwards because of TRPs, right? Yeah. Um, but you see the opposite with Shits Creek. In fact, like I tell a lot of friends, like just skip the first season and go straight to the second, like watch the introduction episode, like the pilot and then move to the second season because like that's really when the characters really get into their, their mannerisms and their, their zany quirks, etc. Um, but it's, it just got stronger with each season. And I think eventually what happened was that it became such a relatable show because it it, it, it talks about like different generations and how you are th- being thrown into um, a situation together. Um, also, I should say that for those who have not seen the show, the show is about a family, a very wealthy family who goes bankrupt and is forced to move to a town that they had bought for their son, David, as a gag gift. Um, it's so bizarre and it came out because D- Dan Levy uh, was curious about like what would happen if like the Kardashians lost all their money like yeah. what would they do yeah um, and as a result you had the family that's Johnny and Moira Rose uh, Johnny was uh, he owned oh, a business called Rose Video yeah and Moira was a soap actress um, followed by their two kids uh, Alexis Rose and David Rose Alexis was a total socialite traveling all over the world with the craziest stories. And then we have uh, David, who's this total like shy introvert who is so bizarre and so confident in, in, uh, in himself. Um, and I think they all, I think what was so incredible, what made this show work was the characters they built, yeah. both like through the through the main cast, which is the four of them, but then also the supporting characters. Like they, everybody got their arcs, I think, which yeah. was just so fulfilling because especially when like you, when you're watching a show about underdogs, you need to have an ending that works and gels with the, with the audiences. We'll go into that a little later, but yeah. um, I think that's what really made sense. Like the writers never lost track of their characters. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I think and, they like, even till the finale, they kind of stayed small. You know, it never uh, looked to me like a show that took off in any sense of the word. And that the fact that they made the conscious decision from the start of the show to say we will end at season six um, and we won't go any further, no matter how. And the show was getting successful. It was picking up. People have yeah. asked. I mean, they, the, season six was when I think they were getting a lot of their TV interviews to advertise the show. But to say, yes. no matter what happens, no matter the publicity that we get, 
we will shut it down at season six because we don't want it to be a show that, you know, you kind of want to quit while you're ahead. So many, too many sitcoms, I think, have out, overstayed their welcome and have gotten annoying. And that's the last thing that I would want for such a small, intimate show like Shits Creek. And I love it. Like, they kept that element till the end. It was personal, you related. Like, there was no episode where you felt um, like it was too much. Exactly. And I think a lot of sitcoms in the past, what they do is they'll, they'll, they'll get a bigger budget and then they'll splurge it on like guest actors or like, let's go to a different location and like yeah. film abroad or anything like that. But that doesn't really happen until like season six. But yeah, like you can, you can see, you build that relationship with the, with Shit's Creek, the town. Yeah. And I think like that's what made shows like Gilmore Girls, um, like Stars Hollow or One Tree Hill and One and Tree Hill work so well was that you had a relationship with the town like you were like I want to live in Shit's Creek which yeah. is something that you would say yeah um, but yeah like that's what it's now like a total tourist trap and yeah. um, I think this show just works so well um, for two people for like two types of people like one who are like huge fans of ensemble comedies who are just who love learning about like living in small towns and seeing like the bizarre zaniness of it. So like fans yeah. of Gilmore Girls will love it, fans of Heart of Dixie. Um, but it's also a great, great show for people who are just looking to escape. Yeah. Because absolutely. this show is about a family who is stuck. They're literally in a quarantine for four or six years yeah. in this town that luckily they can step out of their motel like they're literally living in a motel room (laughs) for this time period when they're used to having sprawling mansions yeah and I think that's how like a lot of people have felt during COVID is that and there's like literally like a significant chunk of lines in like the first season where Moira's like talking about being in quarantine yeah in in the motel I'm like oh my god if only she knew yeah Um, which is a great I think segue into one of the themes that we had discussed earlier um, of isolation. So let's kind of talk about what were the major themes that stood out to you about the show? Um, A, that made it so relatable. B, that made it so intimate. Um, and kind of C, that made it take off in the time period that it ended up taking off, which is quarantine yeah. and lockdown. So maybe we can do it like as a cycle because what, what I see it as is loneliness and isolation is where you really start yeah then you move into acceptance yeah and then you have recovery yeah so let's talk about those three in that cyclical fashion in a way yeah so first of all loneliness and isolation like we first of all don't know where Shits Creek is yeah it literally looks like it's in the middle of a field no idea what's available thematically I think what goes with is that the first and second season is really the family understanding that yes they're isolated from the world they knew but they still have each other yeah and that's what keeps them going I think like they and think that's something that like a lot of families during COVID have also been experiencing is that like you have such busy lives and you know Alexis and David are old like they're not in their early 20s they they're adults but they realize that you know at least we have our parents and our parents have the kids yeah. that we can live with each other and we can find what works what doesn't work and we can find a way to make that that work then they're, they're very distant which is 
very amusing in a COVID context because like that's how you should be. You yeah. should be socially distancing. Yeah. But the family is no longer allowed to socially distance. They're like, no, you're stuck together and we're going to be that glue. Like family is going to be the glue that keeps us going. Yeah. Um, and then I think like talking about loneliness on another level is, um, is sexuality and sex, uh, sexuality and gender is a huge, huge, huge role. Um, I think it's like a different, like, um, in, in Schitt's Creek. Um, and I would like, I, you know, I was about to say it plays, it, it's like its own character, but I don't think that's what Schitt's Creek does. Like Schitt's Creek just makes it exist. Like it's, yeah. it's part of life. Yeah. And it's idealized, I think world where even David's um, sexuality, you know, the line where he says, um, he says, I like the wine, not the label. Exactly. Yeah. And David, David works with, uh, uh, David uh, is pansexual. Yeah. So he goes, so, and, he, and he says, you know, like, I like red wine sometimes, white wine sometimes. I'll taste the occasional rosé. Yeah. But baseline is, yeah. I like the wine, not the label. Not the label, yeah. Which I think is, is powerful because even a lot of the other characters' interactions with David are not tinged with um, discrimination in any way. And, and, it's, and it's a privileged position to be in, to be able to show that interaction. Um, but nonetheless, it's lovely. It's idealistic. It's um, any problem somebody may have with David is purely based on his personality and not on <laughs> his sexuality. So you know, which problems. is a great starting point, I think, for yes. a show. To start off with, let's have a non-problematic LGBTQ character and, and representation without having to have them have their arc kind of mired in tragedy and sorrow, you know. That was something that he, that Dan, who is gay um, in real life, that he was very keen on exploring is yeah. that we are just going to treat people the way they should be treated yeah. and accepting people for who they are. Yeah. Uh, which I'm going to actually move into acceptance. But uh, before I do that is when you, you can be isolated and you can feel lonely when no one accepts you. When Dan was building the show, uh, one thing that he said was, you know, I'm, the writers were asking what would happen, like, are you sure we can have them kiss on screen? Like have David and Patrick kiss on screen. Yeah. And um, and Dan was like, that just blew my mind because you never question that if a man and woman are kissing. Like you're like, yeah, let's let's make them naked on screen. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't think that openly and that um, that encouragingly of a gay relationship or just a non-hetero relationship. So yeah, I think like with with sexuality, I think like that. I think like that's what's so beautiful about this show is that yeah. you're just it's never questioned. I think even, you know, kind of to draw a parallel to quarantine life, moving from that period of isolation, but moving into, I think the, the middle few episodes, um, just like I would say the months of maybe July to September have been mm-hmm. about like acceptance, like, okay, this is the position I'm in. Yeah. Now, how do I make the best of it? You know, and I think the couple of the seasons in the middle are really about each character they really flesh out the character's hobbies and interests and what do you want to do? Alexis gets her high school degree. Um, David uh, opens a store. Everyone's kind of experimenting with new things. Moira joins the community, even though she's been so contemptuous of the community in the past. Um, yeah. And no, I think nobody's, what was great for me is nobody's individual characters questioned. So the fact that Moira's yeah. completely over the top 
in the way she dresses. It's never once, nobody once talks about her outfit or her wigs in a way that's disparaging to her character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to Alexis see... Is never, Alexis is never slut-shamed. For the shit uh, she wears. And the kind of quirky and, like, bohemian Coachella vibe. But it's never a, a point of... Um, it's never a talking point. And I think... For me, what was great about the show was to see each character come into their own without having to shed um, the most important parts of their character in any way. And I think like that's what makes this world also so ideal is that you're never going to find, you're never going to be able to surround yourself with people who are going to 100% accept you for who you are. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the tragedy of reality. Once you accept your situation, sometimes that can be good for you. Yeah. I think that what a lot of us are afraid of is just being pulled out of our comfort zones. Yeah. And that's definitely what COVID has done for us. Is yeah. We've all been yanked out of it without any preparation. Yeah. And that's what happens to, to the roses. Like, they have no idea what's going on. There's complete mayhem in that first scene. Yeah. And when, when they find out they've been bankrupt. And, um, and they just have to deal with the situation. But, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do to keep fighting against the situation until yeah. you finally give up. And you're like, okay, you know what? This is it. I just have to deal with whatever comes my way now. Yeah, absolutely. And that is when things really change for, um, change for the roses. Even like later on with like Ted and Alexis breaking up, like they both accept the situation and they, they make such a beautiful couple, but they're like, you know what? We have other priorities than just the two of us. Yeah. And what's great about like Alexis's storyline is that she's chasing herself. Her, her arc is chasing herself. It's not about finding that happy ending with a man. Yeah. She, she does exactly that. Like she leaves and she finds a happy ending for herself. Yeah, which I think brings us then to the final stage of the cycle, right? Which is um, recovery and how each of the characters moves from... What I enjoyed was the depiction of class in this. They move from being extremely over the top, you know, in no sense, I think, would you look at them and say elegant and classy. It's definitely over the top <laughs> wealth that maybe you don't need, you know, that, and the contrast is amazing to me. So moving into recovery and seeing um, how they've come to terms, not just come to terms with their situation, but are now building on it, right? So the Rose's decision to finally move away. But I think after having milked what they could out of staying in Shits Creek and making a great network and a great set of friends, um, Mm -hmm. and ultimately David's decision to stay back, his excitement of moving to New York and the scene where he's sitting with Stevie on the hood of the car and she says, are you sure you want to go back? You know, and, and the contemplation of saying, actually, I don't have this high profile New York life and I don't want to pretend like I do. I think it's something that's super relevant to so many people I know, so many, I'm sure of the people you know of. It's okay to also accept that something you want to do is different from the status quo, you know, and it's fine. And you're probably happier off doing that smaller thing with the person that you love than being in big, cold, empty New York City you know, concrete jungle and just have to know. A lot of New Yorkers are going to listen to this and they're like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but that's so true. I think like you just hit the nail on the head about like what it's like to live life. It's just like, don't carry that baggage with you. Yeah. Like they'll use those as life lessons, but don't hold on to them. That stops you from living the way you want to live. If you step away from this world that you've created, you may not like it or you may love it. 
but you also have to take that first step just like in recovery right and like when you're recovering from alcoholism or whatever you have to take that first step and yeah. say i'm going to i'm going to accept it yeah and i'm going to create something good out of this yeah and that's what each of them do is like they they take that first step out of the comfort zone and they find a way to make things work and and that means that you're not living in isolation anymore yeah you're living with your community you are finding a place for yourself in that community um you're leaving a name you're leaving a legacy in a way and for some people like the rose family it may be the moira rose's family garden yeah in in all seriousness i think like what the the happy ending they all get is just so apt for each of their quirks like johnny is so determined he's so steadfast that he he doesn't he doesn't I, i don't think he really worked i think he will work with blinkers on like for yeah. him to go back to waver on what his on like vision exactly yeah. so that's something that he he got to work on yeah. when he moved to shit creek is okay i was working on a one track field what can i do now and yeah. that's him going off to like bob's garage and figuring out what he can do there he then working at the motel and then having that grow into a situation yeah um he didn't drop he just kept going yeah. then you have moira who is so stubborn so bizarre and just has this joie de vivre about her um that that's exactly what you need to be on town council yeah and for her to not be like okay i'm going to get just involved with the jazz gals but rather like i'm going to get a job yeah and i'm going to get things done yeah and if that means by like bulldozing people down yeah. that's exactly what i will do <laughs> she's just so outrageous like even with like yeah. her, li- her 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 words like tan and i have like often joked about like how just watching shit street counts as gre's prep or sap yeah. prep because <laughs> you're learning so many vocabulary lists and i love that i love that element i love that she's not just over the top but she's over the top and smart I mean some of the yes. words the phrases I've had to google you you introduced me to that amazing list where they gave you the definitions of all the words that <laughs> Moira's used and I never knew I needed it because as I watched the show I realized I was actually picking up new vocabulary and it was amazing and these are hard words they're not like your usual dictionary words they're very difficult yeah and it's a very specialized vocabulary <laughs> yeah I think um, that's that's something that was interesting to me because i think each character has an element of the class barrier that they that the show ends up kind of introducing so moira's vocabulary i think is one of them um her induction into obviously what is high society english you know accented you can't quite pinpoint where the accent is from but it's yeah. artificial in a sense or uh, johnny's consistent wearing of very well fitted elegant suits like he never moves to corduroys and khakis you know he's oh. constantly in his very nice uniform yeah even if they get dirty it's fine his like you know designer suits um or david and his like solely black uh, outrageous sweaters exactly and i think alexis of course we don't have to talk about that again but <laughs> it's it's nice because i think the show as the class barrier slowly breaks down and as they settle into this um life they retain 
I think, um, external elements of their old personalities in that it is how they dress, but the personalities inside them change a little bit, you know? Yeah. And somehow then suddenly, but they just look like they fit better. I don't know what it is. No, it is. I think that there's that moment when, uh, in, in an early episode, when Moira fights with the town council to give them pots, like yeah. nice plants outside the motel yeah. and across the town. But that moment is so important because buying a plant is very symbolic of uh, longevity, ad- yeah. ad- adulting, yeah. <laughs> which like, is really like the process that Shit's Creek is taking. <laughs> you need to care for it. You yeah. need you are settling into a place and you want to like the place for you to make upgrades to the place means that you are thinking long term and you want to enjoy the time that you are staying there yeah i kind of need to come full circle like later with alexis when like ted's plant dies um that's a moment for her to think like okay my time here is done and it's okay that is literally the metaphor she uses i need a bigger pot to grow in sometimes you can you can grow that plant and it can have a happy, 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 beautiful, bushy life. But after a while, you may just want to take that plant and move elsewhere with it mm-hmm. and have it grow in, in a larger pot. Yeah. Or move away from the plant. You may not want the plant or anymore. Or move away from the plant, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think which I think brings us to a lovely wrap on this. Um, yeah. The fact that all these little symbols still kept the show so small and so intimate um, that there was growth without the show exponentially growing in any way. You know, everybody had their growth. Everybody had an arc. Everybody kind of went from start to finish and had an amazing journey in between. I just felt warm after that. It's tight. It's well-written. It has a phenomenal cast and it's just personal. It's almost like it's for you. Like you watch this, Minika. Or you watch this, Tanya. Like, that's your show. I think, and I think that comes through also. um, You're so right about what you said about sitcom. Because till date, I'll tell people, this is like better than Friends or Parks and Rec. And everyone's like, what? How can you say that? (laughs) Um, But I really think that's true. Because I think like like those shows at some point kind of lean on big names. Or they work on, um, they have like their special shows, like their holiday episodes. So they have to like rely on those tropes that Shits Creek doesn't. They're like, we don't know where we are. We could be in Canada. We could be in the US, but we're just going to just live. And like, when you get that one Christmas episode, you're like, oh, this is, this is weird. Yeah. Never seen seen them in winter gear. (laughs) Yeah. And it's almost a little too emotional. Unlike yeah. other sitcoms, the yeah. are typically the more fun ones. This was a very emotional Christmas episode. But this, yeah, yeah I think like this show, I think is just for such a, um, for, is, is, a is a show for everybody. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, you just got to, I've heard a lot of complaints, you know, this season one is like, I'm not, it's not funny. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But what I can say is just, just stick through it. It's worth yeah. it. Like when you're done, you're going to be like, what was I before shit's Yeah. So 10 on 10 would recommend. 10 on 10 would recommend. Also, you know what? Another thing is like, it's, it's very Western and Sonic, it's colloquialism and it's pop culture. So that also maybe like why people also don't get it, but yeah. just go with it. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here and discussing one of my favorite shows with me. <laughs> thanks for having me. This of was course. so fun. Well, thanks Mika.
Thanks for having me, Tanya. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. See you next Friday. Until then, follow the Teeka podcast on Instagram and write to me with any thoughts, questions, or ideas.